Welcome back for part two of Let's Farmers Market with Allison Askew, the Arrow Ranch Wife. Really excited for you guys to hear part two. As you can see, it's significantly shorter than part one, but it is still jam-packed with just solid gold information for you to get started on your farmer's market journey or to improve your farmer's market game. Make sure you hang out to the end because Allison's announcing something really neat that her and her husband Jeff are going to be doing through Aerojay Ranch Wife. I think it's going to be really beneficial for all of us, especially if you had any questions along the way of listening to either part one or part two. And as always, make sure you give Allison a follow and reach out to us if you have any questions or just to let us know your thoughts and feedback on the episodes. I am so grateful to Allison for investing this much time in her three episodes and sharing this with us. Each guest that comes on does a fantastic job of giving us input, insight, and even more information to hopefully help our journeys be a little bit easier or to help us when we're struggling and we hit kind of a rough spot. So after the year of 2020, I am looking forward to 2021 and leaving this year behind. I'm sure you are too. So let's head on into part two and let's start setting those goals for our farmer's market seasons in 2021. Welcome to the Ranching Brunette Podcast. I am your host, Logan Robinson, and this is the podcast for aspiring first-generation ranchers by an aspiring first-generation rancher with one goal in mind, to get America ranching again. All right, Allison, so I would love to hear some more on booth setup and display ideas and what you guys have kind of found that's worked and what you've kind of morphed into maybe from your starter point, if you'd be willing to share that with all of us newbies that are trying to figure out how to display our product to the best possible ability. Sure. So you'll want to check with your market manager um, because they, you know, want things pretty uniform and you're going to have a designated area. And um, I know for ours, there's, you know, a specific kind of easy up tent that they want you to use. So make sure you, you first talk to your market manager and find out what the regulations are. And then once you know that, you're just ready to set up your display. And the beauty of farmer's market is it really is simple. People, again, they're there because they want to be there. They want to support local farmers. My advice would be not to get too wrapped up in how flashy your display is and your booth is, which I'm all about pretty. I wanted a big, beautiful, pretty booth with all this stuff in it. And just because we were on a budget the first year, we didn't want to invest so much not knowing how it was going to work out. We kept it really simple that first year. And I'm really glad we did because I learned you don't need big and flashy. You, of course, want things that are going to draw people into your booth. Um, but I would say if you can keep it simple while still A, tell your story about who you are. That's really important. And then also just having all the information about what they can get right now and what they can get in the future and how you can stay engaged with your customers. So for us, we keep it pretty simple. We, you know, we of course have our table with our banner on it, with our logo that draws people in. So they know who we are and what we are selling. And then, of course, I always have a price list, which a lot of people will hang up a sign for their price list 
we have, I just had my local printer make up a laminated, it's almost like a menu for our price list. I know it seems really simple, but it's worked really well for us because it's something people can pick up. I can have multiple copies of them so I can work with more than one person at a time. They can pick it up. They can handle it. They can kind of talk about it instead of just having to kind of stand back looking at a menu board. So that's just a personal preference. I like having the laminated price sheet out on our table. And then we choose to have a brochure. Brochures can be a little pricey, but I think that really pays off for anyone new coming up. The brochures don't have our price list. It really just tells them about us, how their beef is raised, about our beef. It has our mission statement, things like that. So we've got a brochure that tells about our family, has a family picture, has a picture of the beef. Then we have our price list. And then also a thing that's been really beneficial for us is having cooking tips printed out. Again, grass-fed beef cooks really fast. Ours is extra lean. It's really not forgiving. So for our particular beef, of course, I again, I want this to be a successful experience. So I had a little index card made, again, by our local printer. You know, it's a one-time fee because I wanted something professional looking. So you can do it at home. There was a one-time fee to have this designed. And then we have them printed out and it lists all of our cuts of beef and then suggest how you cook it. That way, if it is someone that's buying from us for the first time, I'll usually ask, are you used to working with grass-fed beef? And even if they say yes, I'll say, well, you know, ours is extra lean. Here's a little, just a small index card so they don't have this big piece of paper. Here's some tips on how you cook it, and I can point out the cut that they're buying, and we can talk about it. Or it's also handy if a regular customer is just buying a new cut that they don't have experience cooking. I can say, well, here's cooking tips. You could do it like this or this. And I feel like that card is like gold. So I would really highly recommend having cooking tips available to your customers so they have something that they can take home and have a really good experience cooking your beef. And even if they overcook it or something, oh, it, it said on the card not to do that. And I didn't follow the card. So it was my fault, <laughs> not yours. And they try it again. That also saves your breath too, where you can be referencing the card instead of, you know, taking the time. Say you have four or five new customers in your booth at once. Right. You're able to reference that card out. It's going to save you your breath. And then also will cover your hiney when somebody messes up their right. cut. And then they look at it and went, oh, I made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of them blaming your beef. So that, that's a good idea. I like that. Yeah. So we'll have that on the table. And then a few other things I have. Of course, you want to be able to keep that connection with your customers. And you want to just have your ranch's name brought up over and over and over in their life. So I don't know if it's for everyone, but we do have an email list and I have found for it to be very beneficial for us. We use constant contacts. In fact, right now, because of COVID, normally it's $20 a month for the very basic. They built me a template. I just simply update my email and send it out. It's a very easy program to use. And even at the $20 a month, I found it really worth it. I think right now because of COVID, they're having a 
a special for $8 a month. That's not a paid advertisement, but I like them too because you can take a break from your subscription. So during the winter months when I'm not doing farmer's market, I'll just pause and I don't have to pay that monthly fee. And when I'm ready to go again, it's up and running. And you can make different email groups. So I actually have an email list per farmer's market that I go to because the way I'm going to advertise to one market is going to be completely different to like my local people. But that came in really handy because my customers came to expect, I send an email every week, the day before market, I might put a recipe on there or I might put a special we're having on there. So every week it's in their inbox. This is what we're going to have at market this week. Or even introducing a cut, just talking about it. Someone that doesn't usually buy it might go, oh, I've, I've never tried the brisket. Maybe I should. It also helps for holidays. Just reminding people, hey, 4th of July is coming up. Get all your grilling needs. Here's the different cuts we're going to have. Or Father's Day is coming up. So that really worked for us and kept us connected with our customers. So I would recommend, I just made a simple Excel spreadsheet that I put out where people can write their name and their email, leave their email address. And then the final thing as far as my table that I have out Again, you want to think big picture. I don't want these people to just buy beef from us every week. I want them buying quarter, half, or whole animal at the end of the year. I want them eating our beef year round. So I actually have a display out at all times showing all the information on our bulk beef. So it's going to show approximately how many pounds you get when you buy bulk, what cuts are included in that, the price break on that, and reasons why it's beneficial to buy your beef in bulk. And you want that out because then they will, you know, I buy all this. Maybe I should just buy bulk beef. And it, you know, you can strike up that conversation and then you can send them. I'll also have flyers out with all that information too. And I'll say, well, if you're interested, take this home. This is everything you're getting in it. This is the price break you're going to get. So don't limit yourself to just the weekly sales. Have the information out there to show exactly everything that is an option for them. Even if it's not bulk, if it's bigger packages or whatnot, give your customers to buy more at once. Or this is how you can contact us during the winter. We also, weather permitting, even when farmer's market ends, because I have everyone on an email list, we will do a monthly drop-off at the farmer's market location. <laughs> so. Even though market isn't still going, these customers can buy beef in bigger quantities. We'll meet them at that same location since everyone knows that location and, and we'll give them like an hour window to come pick up their beef. We always do a pre-sale on that. We don't let them just come buy out of our freezer. So be ready to extend, I guess, I should say your farmer's market season and having something to offer your customers during the off season as well. So that's my table. So then as far as display goes, I really want, again, to kind of show people a glimpse of the story of our life or let them get a glimpse of where their beef is coming from or what's happening on the ranch. We worked with our local printer to get some nice poster-sized pictures made. It was really affordable, and it got put on like a cardboard material, so it was pretty sturdy, and I 
I was able to make it in a way that I can hang it from the back of our Easy Up canopies. These nice big pictures, whether it be of our cattle on pasture, or like I said, Jeff bringing in the herd. I did a close-up of one of our bulls. It was just a really beautiful picture. A lot of people don't know what a Coriani is. So when I show them, you know, when I have this picture of the bull up that I can reference, well, it's you know, a short horn. People really like to see that. And it's really cool for them when they can look up at a picture and see their rancher riding a horse in the middle of nowhere, herding the beef that they are eating. You know, it really makes it that much more realistic to them about how their beef really is ranch direct. It went from being here to into our freezer. So having something where you can show your story and your beef and your ranch life, I would highly recommend incorporating that into your booth as well, where people feel like they really know you and where their beef is really coming from. Right. Those visuals are so important because, you know, a lot of people are very visual people. Right. So if you have something for folks to look at, or even when, you know, families are shopping, they can explain to their kids what ranching is. If they're not somebody who lives in ranching, based off your pictures in your booth, I think that's fantastic because they can explain that. Here's what ranching is. Here's where our beef comes from. So that's a great, really great idea for your customers to have that visual. Yeah. And, and again, it just builds the buyer confidence as well. Okay. That's how my cattle's, I know where my beef comes from and I know how it's raised. I see it firsthand. So it makes it a lot more tangible for them, which is really nice. And I think the final thing we have is just, we do one of those sandwich boards, a chalkboard, which I really like. I kind of cheat a little bit. We're not supposed to have anything outside our booth, but I'll kind of inch it out a little bit. <laughs> I remember that too. I got in trouble for my chalkboard. Yeah, so, She's like, no, that's got to go in there. Yeah. Just a variety of ways to get people's attention. So they might just simply see our big banner attached to our table with our logo and, and know we're selling beef. Or they might see these pictures behind us which some people actually will walk up and be like, oh, do you sell photography? No, we, we actually sell beef. <laughs> and then the sandwich board, I like to have that because again, I can change that every week and put a focus on what cuts aren't selling. Maybe I want to really highlight a certain cut or if I'm having a special or again, it's the week's before holidays, you're gonna sell a lot of beef. And sometimes people forget, oh, this is the last market before 4th of July. So I'll do a big thing. 4th of July is just around the corner. So just reminders to people and little extra ways to get their attention without just being too much. But the sandwich board, you can change. Sometimes I'll even just simply list all the cuts we have on hand that day and I can cross them out as they sell out or whatnot. So yeah, I'm sure other people have much better ideas of how to set up their display, but that's ours and it really is quite simple and really works for us. I like that. It's a fantastic setup that I think is really doable for a lot of folks. And like you talked about, you can start out simple and then advance as you grow. Cause you know, there's all kinds of, you could buy tents with your logos on it, all kinds of stuff that you could really advance it as you grow if you want to, but The importance is you can start out with the simplest setup and be successful. So that's another great tip for it not being overwhelming. And I've seen folks start out with just a table and their banner and then work their way up. But like you mentioned, you got to work with your market manager. So it's really important 
you know who your market manager is and you're on yeah. the phone with them before you ever show up because you don't want to be getting in trouble while you're ordering the stress of right. your first market and setting up. Just like you talked about the sandwich board is not supposed to be out. And that was one thing I got busted for on my yeah. first time, <laughs> just because I didn't know. And I failed to ask that question and simple fix, but you know, you don't want any added stress to your day. So that was a very fantastic ideas and viewpoints in there and different things you can do to really highlight what you're doing. And the more you have for customer visuals and things for them to read and really get to know you without you having to verbally express it is really good. So if you're with another customer, your other customers in your booth can be learning about you while they're waiting their turn to talk with you. Yeah. Like you were saying, you know, that's again, that's the flexibility of farmer's market. You can start very basic. You don't have to spend a lot of money. In fact, I would I would encourage you to keep things more simple until you know where this market's going to take you. But give enough information that they can know you and your story and where the beef is coming from. So maybe it is just a brochure in the beginning that can tell everyone about you. And then you can grow from there for sure. In your booth, where do you guys set up your beef? I know some people do coolers. Some markets let you park a freezer truck behind your booth. How do you guys do your setup to give listeners some ideas? Yeah, so most, I think most markets, because we've attended quite a few and usually can have your vehicle right there with you because a lot of the the produce people need it right there so they can constantly restock. So we actually have a freezer van because we do all of our own deliveries, but it's not ideal for a farmer's market. You don't want to be running your van the whole time, you know, the freezer in your van the whole time, opening and closing the doors. It just wouldn't stay cold enough. So we got a chest freezer. Actually, we did it two ways. First, we just had a huge chest freezer that we put in the back of our, of our truck. And then we would bring a generator to keep the freezer running because you do have to keep it at a certain temp, just even for USDA certification. We've never used an ice chest. We've only used freezers, which I really prefer just because you can monitor the temperature more easily with a freezer. Like in the cold, when in the spring and in the fall, it stays cold enough in our areas. I never even have to turn the generator on. Our beef will stay frozen solid all day without any compromising, opening and closing that freezer door, and I don't have to run the freezer. So it's more just, you know, in the middle of the summer, as we do start getting further into the day and we're opening the freezer a lot, I might have to turn the generator on to get that freezer running again. But then you aren't dealing with ice. You aren't worried about getting as warm because the chest freezers they make nowadays, they really lock in the coldness, you know. So we just stick a little chest freezer in the back of our van and I just have a little step stool. And then within our freezer, which you kind of get the hang of, we just got smaller boxes, which we actually got from our butcher. And I keep all my similar cuts together. So I might have a box full of steaks and a box full of roast or a box full of the organs or a box full of ground beef. So if someone does come up and they want to roast and it's at the bottom on my freezer, instead of digging through my freezer, I just simply remove the top boxes, can grab a roast. And you'll learn what cuts sell at your market, or maybe you just have a cut that you really have to push. 
you'll kind of start learning how to pack your freezer each week and how many of each. By the third year of us doing farmer's market, I could tell you exactly how many steaks we would sell, how many roasts we would sell, how many packages of ribs we would sell at every single market. And obviously you might have a little variance each week with that, but I could really load up my freezer with a good ratio of what we would sell. And then you just want to invest in a good quiet generator that you can run if needed. And you you might not even need a generator. It depends. I mean, like for you, Logan, how, how warm does it get in Montana in the summer? It can get pretty warm, but it's such a short season of warmth. Like, I mean, we can get in the 90s still, but okay. that's not our average, you know, throughout yeah. the year. And that's, you know, August, maybe some July, August, maybe. But most of the time, it's it doesn't get that hot. I mean, rarely do are we ever in the hundreds. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, we started with just putting the chest freezer in the back of our truck, which if you get a small chest freezer, they really are light and easy to manage. So you can, it wouldn't be a problem to put a smaller one in the back of your truck each week, and then you fill it up with the beef and just, you know, tight to the back of your truck and put everything in. We like the freezer van just because we get better mileage. And then, you know, I can put everything in the back of the van along with the freezer, all of our setup stuff. But, you know, if doing an ice chest is the only way you can do it, I wouldn't say wait until you get a chest freezer. I really encourage you to just at least start with that. But I think you can get a small chest freezer for even as low as a hundred bucks nowadays. And we have a couple different size freezers, but if you have to just invest a hundred dollars in getting a small chest freezer and then grow from there, I would highly recommend just getting the freezer. It's just less messy. You know, you aren't dealing with ice and easier to kind of get through. And I don't know how many ice chests you'd you'd have to use, but we like, we like the free, the chest freezer. Yeah. That's a really good idea. And you're right. They're so affordable. You know, you see my home Depot and Lowe's for a small one. I mean, right now it might be harder to find freezers. Right. <laughs> Maybe try to get one now. <laughs> After COVID, everyone's like, Oh, we better stock up on some food. We need right. freezers. But yes, they are very affordable. And that's, a, that's a great way to do that and be an easy way to set up until Maybe you grow into, you know, a freezer van or truck, putting one in the back of your pickup truck, or if you have a minivan or something like that, there's ways to work with that. And I think that's a great setup. I know you had asked me before too about keeping track, like a checklist, which I'm so glad you brought up because I do keep a checklist. It can be a little crazy packing because usually farmers markets start very early in the morning. So we usually load up as much as we can the night before. But I just make a simple Excel checklist to make sure that I do take everything with me, my brochures, my cooking tips, my flyers, my sandwich board, you know, even your tent. (laughs) And you'll, you'll add to that and adjust it as you go through the market. You'll see new ideas and be like, oh, we should start doing this and I need to bring this. So having a checklist just to make sure you aren't forgetting everything is really helpful. Obviously we drive three hours away, so we really don't want to forget something, Yeah. but then it just makes it so much easier unless you have to think about the day before or the day of when you can just go right down that list. So good, good organizational tip you have there. Yeah, absolutely. That'll help keep you on track and eliminate a lot of stress. And also when you're at the markets, like I know when I was setting up my booth when selling leather goods, I had a system in place of setting up and tearing down to be as efficient as possible. And you can create a 
checklist for that as well, which would yes. be really helpful of here's what order to do something. And of course that'll change as you go along and your booth display is different, but that's something really important too, because I know when you show up at farmer's market, you're allowed a certain amount of time to get set up before the market opens. And then you really want to be quick to tear down so you can get out of there in time right? and not be stuck. I mean, I don't know, every market's different, but I know I was packed up and ready to leave, but the booths in, that were next to me on each side were not. And so I worked a way that I could get tore down and out of there as soon as possible without being held up by other vendors who maybe weren't as organized or had bigger booths to tear down. So that might be another way to incorporate the checklist there too. Yeah. And that's another, you remind me, it's a good point. <laughs> kind of for us ranchers that have the bigger dualies and whatnot, yeah. you learn real quick. You don't want to be late to set up because everything is so crammed together. And when you have the bigger, you know, with our little delivery van, it's great. But the days we were taking our big dually, you definitely didn't want to arrive a minute late. The one perk is the beef is you do want to get there right at setup time, but you're going to have the easiest setup because there's enough time for the produce vendors to set up and they have to get all their produce out on their tables where as the beef producer, we get to show up, set up our booth and then we're ready to go and be ready early because people will come early. You'll have people show up a half an hour early. Again, it depends on the market manager. Some are absolutely adamant. You do not sell till start time. Others don't care. I know in our markets, it's the restaurants that come early. You know, our market didn't start till 8. They're there as early as 7.15, 7.30, and they don't care that you're setting up. They want to start buying your stuff. Take advantage of that time of being there early and be ready to sell early. That's a great piece of advice there. And for you having to be a three-hour drive, you have to be up so early yeah. to get there by setup time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, and just, again, it, it made it worth it, though. I know to some of you, it might sound like, oh, my goodness, you had to wake up so early. But because we had the big picture and throw out time, it was a big delivery day in addition to the farmer's market day. So, it was like a week's worth of selling all in one day. We would deliver to the store or the restaurant in addition to our customers that day. Or like I said, I'd always keep a quarter beef on hand at the bottom of the freezer and have that information out. Here's everything you can get for quarter beef and someone would usually walk away with it. So make the most of your time circling back to you know getting to know your customers. Find out where they're eating. Find out what restaurants they go to. Because again, the people at the farmer's markets are there for a reason. They're looking for a specific product. So for us, we have all these people that want to know their food source. Well, they're also going to go to the restaurants that are farm to table restaurants. And we've gotten, a, they do your homework for you. <laughs> you know, well, where, where do you like to go eat? What restaurants do you like? They tell you where they're spending their money and then you can follow up and go visit those restaurants and kind of have the first step taken care of. That's great advice and insight right there too. Okay. So I'm really curious how you guys collect payment at your booth and what tips you have for people getting started on that. Yeah. Cash is great, right? Cash is king. That's always yes. best. So you want to make sure you go into your first market with plenty of change on hand especially because I've had the first person walk up and kind of wipe me out of my change. 
so be ready for that. Have your cash box. But then, you know, technology is pretty amazing. I think you can do almost anything on your phone nowadays. We do accept credit cards, which we do have the square as well. I don't like doing that just because there, you know, is that fee on there. Yeah. But you might have to do that in especially in the beginning, just because you don't want to turn away a sell. You can always change that in the future of, oh, we don't take credit cards anymore. We have plenty of vendors that actually only accept cash. So if you want to go that route, you can. In the beginning, we did not want to have to turn away any sale. We just wanted to get our product in people's hands. So we did take credit cards. We still do take credit cards. And another real handy one is Venmo. Do you use Venmo at all? I do not know. I'd love to hear more. Venmo is actually free. I don't like change. I'm not tech savvy. And it took me about a year (laughs) to get it because everyone (laughs) kept telling me, why don't you just get Venmo? It's almost like a Facebook, but for payments where you just look someone up, you have a username and they send money over to you and you can do it right there at your booth. It's that quick. Ah. If you have the app, you can open it and they can either scan your barcode with their phone, or they can just look you up by name. It's instantaneous. So you tell them how much they owe you. You tell them your username. They pull it up on their phone. They send the money to you. It's You can do it so fast that it's like any credit card transaction. It'll immediately tell you when they've paid you and you can say, okay, I received your payment. Thank you so much. Wow. And once they're in that system, you're forever linked. So once they've bought from you once, you're a quote friend, again, like social media, where they can just pay you that way. And there's no fee on it. So I love Venmo. There's no fee for them to pay you. And there's no fee for you to transfer funds into your bank account. Oh, how interesting. That's fantastic. I'm wondering, I'm sitting here listening to this. I'm like, wonder how they make their money, but that's awesome that you don't get charged and they don't get charged. That's a really great way to do that. And I'll definitely have to look into that because the square reader is very convenient, but that fee really gets you. Right. And again, I'm, I don't like change and I'm not tech savvy. So it was really <laughs> hard for people to convince me just to do it. <laughs> and it's very easy to set up and very easy to use. So if I can use it, anybody can use it. So I definitely take advantage of Venmo where you aren't it's not costing you anything. Yeah. Now I'm curious how you guys handle this in Montana. Everybody is behind the times here for the most part. And it seems like between Montana, Alaska, we're like the last to come to all the technology advancements. Like I remember the first week we lived here, we went to the grocery store and somebody in front of me, I had not seen this in years, actually wrote out a check to pay for their grocery bill. (laughs) I was so shocked because other States I had lived in, Nobody was doing that. Right. And I'm like, interesting. And then I realized that's very normal here. Sure. So when I was at my farmer's markets and some of the other like uh, vintage markets I'd done and stuff, people wanted to write checks. And I did not have a bad experience, but I had other people warn me not to do that. So I'm curious if you guys have ever accepted checks and if so, kind of your pros and cons or your reasons for not doing that for people listening in that might be in a state where checks are very normal. Sure. So I did receive a few checks. It's really not that common. So I don't know if I'm the best one to give advice, but (laughs) it was usually from customers that were my regulars 
that I really knew. And actually they were doing it because that's the one thing about beef. You kind of have to be a little more flexible. I found at least you have to be more flexible with what kind of payments you accept because you have a higher priced item. It's not like they're going and buying, you know, a pound of produce here and there. They're spending more money with you. So they might not have that kind of cash on them. And again, you don't want to turn away a sale. So I had a woman that was trying to pay cash all the time, but I mean, she was spending a good amount of money with us every week because she'd buy a little extra so she could stock up for the winter. And one day she finally said, would you mind if I wrote you a check? Well, I knew her. She was there every week. We had built that relationship. So for me, I was comfortable with it. I think you just need their, what, like their driver's license or something. Yeah, that's what I did. I had them put their driver's license number on there. And if their phone number wasn't, I asked for that. And you can kind of get a good sense of reading people. Like if you know somebody's probably a little sketchy, right? I would say, no, I don't. If it's somebody that's like, okay, you know, like you said, a repeat customer or you had a good vibe about them as much as I hate to prejudge somebody, you know, some people do put off awful vibes and some don't. So yeah, yeah, I think just kind of using your uh, best judgment there. And it wasn't like 50% of the customers coming through my booth wanted to write checks at my venues I'd been to, but I did notice in Montana, that's very much the norm for people. And you're right. It's a higher price point. So being flexible in how you receive payments, because you don't want to turn away sales. And that's, you know, that just kind of triggers a thought too of another bonus of having your email list. I would encourage people to try to pre-order and then just come pick up at market because that way they didn't miss out on those cuts. They didn't show up and I'm already sold out of it. And then also, A, it allowed me to kind of predict how much beef I needed to take because I'd have my pre-orders and I could actually take more because I'd put my pre-orders, that's where I would maybe use an ice chest because I knew they were coming to pick it up first thing in the morning. So I could put all my pre-orders pre-packaged in my ice chest. They were already paid for. So as people walked up, I could just pull them and hand it to them and still have a freezer full of the individual cuts to sell. And then it just kind of made people commit as well. And again, you know what to expect at the market. And as far as holding I would sometimes hold cuts for people, but Mm -hmm. if anybody ever didn't follow through on coming back to pick up their cuts, or sometimes they would even say, I want this this week, but next week, can you bring me this cut, this cut, and this cut and hold it for me? If they didn't show up, I would just never do it for them again. Um, So you do have to watch that. I seldom had it happen to me where they didn't show up. But do be aware of that and don't be afraid to set standards. I would suggest if people want you to hold something, get their number. So if Armor's Market is coming to an end, you can call them or text them and say, hey, I still have your product. Do you want it? If not, I'm selling it. It's a great point, Allison. And I think just, you know, all together, you guys have fun with it. You know, people just want to see vendors that are authentic. Just be yourself, you know, dress the part dress how you would dress at home and be comfortable and be friendly and have fun with it. Have fun with the other vendors. It really is a fun experience. You know, every year 
the first market we have starting up in the spring, this one vendor, I love it because he always sees you and says, happy new year. And it is, it's, <laughs> it's a farmer's market new year. And you make friends with your customers and you do build these lasting relationships that are genuine and are authentic. And it's a fun day of going to see all your friends that are going to give you money for your beef. (laughs) So relax, enjoy it. Don't be afraid of it. It's going to be great. Even if it's slow, farmer's markets are always a slow startup. That's the one consistent, at least I've seen in the spring when it's still really cold out and kids might still be in school. You're going to have your slower months and then it kind of picks up. So, you know, give it some time and be flexible and let it teach you, let it mold you to what type of vendor you need to be for that market and have fun with it. That's great advice. And something I might add to that is be as consistent as you possibly can be too. Try and show up consistently. Sure, things will come up with your family or emergencies or other events. You know, a lot of markets are on Saturdays and that can obviously affect your schedule, but try your best to be consistent too, to where your customers or people who are thinking about buying from you, you never know who's considering buying from you or maybe saving up to make a larger beef purchase. And then maybe that one weekend you're not there. So that's another good thing. Like you talked about, Allison, having the email list, encouraging people to get on that and building relationships with your customers so you can, you know, let them know hey, I I won't be at market this week, whether it's on your social media that you're posting or you're sending out an email list. And that way people can kind of know they can count on you to be there and be consistent. And another thing I might add in is while you're at the markets having fun, go out of your way to have a smile on your face all the time. Because I think a lot of people don't realize this, but you could have just a, a relaxed look on your face and you might be one of those people that don't have a very approachable, relaxed look. I've heard this before. I don't know if you've heard this, Allison. I won't say the actual word because it's not appropriate if people's kids are listening. But, you know, the resting face. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. People may not realize they might have that. So make sure you have a pleasant look on your face because, you know, you might be there just perfectly content having a great time, but you might not be smiling or might not look very approachable. So maybe look in the mirror and look at how your different facial expressions come off. That was Absolutely. a really good piece of advice for public speaking that I learned about. And I'm like, oh. Like, look in the mirror and look what your facial expressions do while you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> it was good advice. So I wanted to throw that in there too, just in case you never know. We can always improve. Yep. And again, like we talked about at the beginning, we want to be on a ranch, getting our hands dirty, you know, riding horses, whatever. Yeah. This is just our time where we have to be on and we have to be people, people for one day a week. <laughs> You can do it. Yes, you got this. (laughs) Okay, Allison, this has been so much fun for this two-part series. I have really enjoyed being able to bring this content with you to our listeners who are wanting to branch into farmer's markets, or maybe they're already in it and they're struggling a bit, or folks who are just looking to improve their farmer's market game. So thank you so much for bringing all your advice to this. And before we wrap up, I know you've been working on something really fun and new since we recorded your Aero J Beef episode. So I would love for you to be able to share what you've been working on behind the scenes with Aero J Ranch Wife and what people can expect with this new branch of your Aero J Beef business. Oh, thanks, Logan. Yeah, so we have our social media pages specifically for the beef business, Aero J Beef, which is really honed in towards beef and the ranch and the cattle and whatnot. But I have done 
a little spinoff called Arrow J Ranch Wife, and I am currently on Facebook and Instagram under those names, where I just dive in a little deeper into what it's like to be a rancher's wife and incorporating the family life into the ranch life, and then also just getting more specific in running a beef business, which I'm really passionate about. I really want to see people succeed. I think there's plenty of room for more producers to come into the market. Um, And I've had a lot of people, this is actually the topic that's been most brought up is how do I start selling my beef or how do I get involved at a farmer's market? So in addition to this podcast, which I really appreciate you doing, Logan, My husband and I are currently putting together a little class that we plan to offer through Arrow J Ranch Wife. It'll just be a small, short class. We still have to get all the details worked out. We're hoping to have something live on Facebook where people can come to this class and then it gives you guys the opportunity to ask us questions as we are discussing some of these topics. And we can dive further into other topics like having your children at farmer's market with you and how that works. <laughs> so if you want to follow me over at Arrow J Ranch Wife, then when we're ready to launch that, we can keep you informed that way. And I think because of this podcast, I might also try to make a few printables for people entering, like you suggested the checklist. I'll see if I can't put together something that gives you guys a template to download to have as a starting point for you. I think that's a fantastic idea, Allison. It'd be great for everybody listening in. So make sure you give Allison a follow on her AeroJ Ranch Wife accounts, as well as the AeroJ Beef accounts. And I'm sure Allison, you'll have email lists or something along those lines for people following AeroJ Ranch Wife so they can have access to the printables you're wanting to make. And then anybody who has questions after listening to this two-part series, Make sure you stay tuned for Allison and Jeff's Facebook Live that they're going to do on farmers markets and all that. Bring your questions to those lives. I will be announcing that on my social media platforms as well so you don't miss out on it. But make sure you're giving Allison a follow on those two accounts because it's great information and we just kind of touched the yeah. surface on these topics. There's lots of questions that can come in where you, Allison can go even deeper and her and her husband are a great resource. So if you had any questions while listening to any of her episodes, bring them to those lives that they're going to be doing. And I know they'll be more than happy to answer them because they are just a wealth of knowledge on this stuff. So make sure y'all take advantage of that and support Allison and Jeff on this new branch of AeroJ Beef with the AeroJ Ranch Wife. That sounds great, Logan. Thank you so much. You are so welcome, Allison. Thank you. I can't thank you enough for coming on for all of these episodes and just sharing your experience and your expertise and being willing to share some of the trade secrets that you guys have come across to help others in ranching because we're all first-generation ranchers, you and I and Jeff and my husband, and it can be really scary and lonely road when you're first starting out. So I can't thank you enough for being willing to share this with other aspiring ranchers or multi-generation ranchers who are maybe wanting to branch into a farmer's market and do a direct-to-consumer side as well that's different than what they've done in the past. So this has been fantastic, and I'm so grateful for you. Well, thanks. And I'd love to see everybody's pictures this spring when they're all at farmer's market. So I'd love for people to share their pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Give us a tag in your pictures. I want to see it. So make sure you tag 
at Aerojay Ranch Wife and Aerojay Beef on Instagram. And then make sure you tag me at The Ranching Brunette as well. I want to see all your setups and what you guys are doing for this upcoming farmer's market season. Yeah, it's only December, but we're heading into 2021. I know it's going to be a better year than 2020. Yeah. And now's the time to plan and prepare for that so we can really rock this next year because I know a lot of folks didn't get to meet some of their goals because of worldly things going on. So let's look forward to a really great season next year. Absolutely. All right, Allison, thank you so much. Thank you, Logan.